Welcome to Libre Lounge, a podcast about free software, free culture, and all the other interesting aspects of user freedom. With Christopher Lemmer Weber and Serge Broklowski. Hey, Chris. Hey, Serge. On the IRC channel, several of our community members have asked how we make the show. So we thought we would just do an episode on, on how we make the show. Yeah, the meta episode. Uh, I mean, and we'd actually, like, I've been like, oh, we should do the meta episode. We should do the meta episode. Like, actually, from the very beginning, you're like, well, let's get a few in. But I think we've got enough in, like, and actually, it's it's good that we waited a little bit because things have shifted uh, quite a bit as, you know, the show's gone on. We've got, I think we still are in the same general category of what we kind of wanted to do with the show, right? You know, which I would say, I guess it's all there in the, you know, tagline of the show of, you know, a, a casual podcast about user freedom and, you know, covering free software and free culture and stuff. Um, but I mean, you know, when we started the show, I think we kind of didn't quite know. I mean, we kind of just figured it out as we went as in terms of the feeling of the show um, in like, you know, like, oh, it'll be a little bit okay to be experimental. You know, it'll be, we'll, uh, you know, we, we know we want to talk about these different topics. We want to do interviews sometimes, but not all the time. But I don't know, you know, like, do you, you feel like the show has been kind of like, finding its feel on its own or or how much of that do you think has been planned or what do you think i mean so there's a there's a lot that goes into these shows that our listeners never see and and that's by design because for every hour of content you know that that people are listening to we probably talk offline for about an hour per episode so there's almost a one-to-one prep and then after the episode's recorded, I spend between three and four hours per recorded hour editing. Yeah, Serge does way more work on this show than I do. Well, but you so we but we also we also kind of co-produce because you you introduce me to guests and then I try to schedule them. And we've only had two guests so far, but we have a whole bunch that we've tried that we're trying to get on. And so I, I've got you know I'm answering emails and trying to schedule people and. And then, yeah, and then basically, um, once the show is recorded, I go and I, I edit it, and then I make the show notes, and I upload it, and all that stuff. So people have asked us what our process is. And so let's, let's start with the production. And that production is that we'll talk about what our idea is for the show. And when we first started, we just said, okay, well, you know, here's a general topic, and we just, we just kind of winged it. And that was great. You can definitely tell that in episodes one and two, uh, like especially episode one. Yeah, we had no idea. We kind of jumped from topic to topic, and we were just going to see if the show worked at all, and it did. And then around show three, we said, "Well, let's start. Let's start writing our ideas down of what we want to cover." And it was just an idea. It was just a way for us to make sure that we touched on certain things because both of us have ADHD. So if we don't write it down, it just kind of gets lost in the conversation. So, so we, we, we typically have some show notes that we have that we're just going to be like, oh, don't forget to mention this or don't forget to mention that. And they're, they're for either one of us just, just so that we stay, we stay focused. Right. We start, we actually open an Etherpad, uh, which is a little, you know, free software web collaborative text editor. And it's nice because then you and I can talk in the pre-show and we can just write down the things that we know we want to hit. Yeah. And the show isn't scripted, but we, we, we definitely try to hit certain points before before we start so that the, yeah. the, so that the episode comes out a little more smoothly and when and and you know the the i mean that pattern of you know it's not scripted 
and like we don't have specific roles so we kind of have like we have kind of background unintentional roles in some ways actually at one point early on in the show i remember i i sent you a message over private message and i'm like i'm sorry i've abatized you which uh i, I guess for if if that sounds weird for those who have not are not familiar with Abbott and Costello, like famous comedy duo, like there's a the funny man, straight man duo. And and I, I I think we do have kind of this sense of the show that even though it's unscripted, that um, you know, like and I think I feel like this happens in like lots of shows where there's kind of this um a kind of a, a rhythm to things where the show kind of goes out there. And it kind of gets pulled back and it kind of goes out there and kind of pulled back. And we, and you know, we switch off who's kind of doing that. But I think more often than not, I tend to be the one who's kind of pushing things out there and you're kind of pulling well, things you're back. The, and the way I think about the show is that you're the celebrity host. You're the, you're the big, I mean, you know, it's a small pond, but you're the celebrity of the, of the two of us. You've done more, you've accomplished more, and you're well, more well known. And it's my job to kind of steer the ship to make sure that when you go off too far, that you're, that you're bringing it back. And, and I, I try hard to do that. And people, people actually mention that when they talk about the show. They're like, hey, I see that you're doing that with Chris. And it's like, yeah, that's, but that's part of it too. Is, and that part of your charm is that you go off and, and are doing these interesting things. Oh, well, I was just going to say, yeah. So, I mean, I think we covered kind of that rhythm in the pre-show. So I guess doing the actual recording, um, I mean, our recording equipment has, has shifted since when we started this show. And when we both started, I think we both started with like kind of the, exactly the same. Well, actually, before we do that, I mean, I, I think we should talk just a little bit about like what what our goal for the show was in the beginning and oh, sure. where our goal is now. Yep. So for, you know, I came to you with with the show idea and it, it, it was out of my frustration and maybe frustration is not the right word, but it was out of my feeling that the existing shows that were or the existing podcasts, especially that were about the free software ecosystem were mainly focused on technology and either they were focused entirely on tech. So like, here's this new project. Let's talk about it. Let's have an interview with, with, you know, the creator of, you know, Fubar, which is fine. But it it rarely do they get into the philosophy, or they were totally policy oriented, which is also fine and important and good. But I would say that most free software people are kind of in the middle. And when I think about the show specifically, I have a few different individuals in mind, and I I aim the show in my head at three different people, and one of them one of them is my partner, and she's a software developer, but she's not from the free software community. So she is a person who who has spent her life in the proprietary world and she's still in that world, but is interested in free software, interested in, in our perspectives and what we're doing. Um, the other person in my head is actually one of her sisters who occasionally listens to the show. She's not a software person, but she's tech savvy and I think she's interested in this from a social, more of a sociological perspective. And then the third person is actually someone who wrote me recently. And it's my old, uh, it's, I don't know what you'd call a person who was in the same dorm floor as I was. And when I was in college and he was the person that I got into GNU Linux with, he was the person where we both were getting into GNU Linux at the same time. And, and we were both, you know, playing with window managers and different things. And, Eventually, he started running FreeBSD, and I was running uh, Red Hat. But 
when I was getting into it, he was the person we were, you know, that I was that I was getting into it with. And he started listening to the show and wrote me uh, just this week. Um, and this will also tell him, you know, how what the delay is between how an, when an episode gets released is. He wrote me just this week and was and was talking to me about those experiences. So I I also have him in mind, sort of when I'm when I'm thinking about who's the audience. And so that's why I'm always trying to bring the show back and talk about first principles. Because some people have told us that they don't like when I when I explain the context of what's going on. They don't like that I they say that I'm dumbing it down, but really what I'm doing is I'm trying to make sure that anybody who's listening who is somewhat technical can understand what we're saying. That's really important to me. Yeah. And I think well, I, I think you hadn't told me those specific kind of uh, user groups, you had different user categories you were thinking of in your head, but that's that's pretty interesting. I think I mean for me I just, uh, um, there's a quote, uh, I, I grabbed it off of Gerald Sussman, but I think he grabbed it out. He, he claimed it was Abraham Lincoln said it, but it was like, people who like this sort of thing will find that this is the sort of thing that they like. And that, that's kind of how I feel about the show. Like, oh, like this stuff's like really interesting. Like, let's talk about this. And, you know, like, uh, so I, you know, my bias is like, uh, um, you know, if I, you know, what kind of free software things do I feel like I really wish were being covered more? And so that's what I, you know, get excited about. And, you know, that, you know, I, I have thought about the shows that I've been very inspired by, you know, Freeze and Freedom being the the policy show that I followed quite a bit. And, you know, uh, other things like I, I did listen to a little bit of Linux Outlaws, but not that much, you know, but also, um, uh, you know, just a, a variety of tech shows. And yeah, as you said, I, I really, I, I guess for me, I'm willing to accept a certain amount of experimentation and kind of variety show ness for the sake of getting, um, you know, kind of shaking up what kind of things people are thinking about. Yeah. So I would say the same thing. So my first uh, podcast about this stuff was Lug Radio and Lug Radio was amazing because they would, they would talk about the tech. They would talk about the philosophy. They'd have like games and, and random conversation. And it was, it was a great show. And then Freeze and Freedom um, Karen Sandler's awesome, and I love listening to her and um, and getting um, their take on uh, these, you know, the various political, I would say, political or philosophical topics. Um, and then there's Floss Weekly, which is a more of a, a technology show, um, but I especially like when they have Simon Phipps on because he brings in the free software philosophy um, and and brings on, and he always asks, he always asks hard questions to the guests about whether or not they're just uh, open washing their projects. And so I, I really, you know, I listen to the other podcasts, but what we bring, I think what we're doing that's different is that we are both talking about the topics, but also trying to introduce, introduce them. So if somebody's not familiar with a, with a specific thing, we're like, Hey, there's this thing that we're really interested in and we're going to talk about it. You know, like our activity pub stuff, there isn't really a show as far as I know, talking about the tech behind activity pub like we're we're the only ones doing that um you know federation is also interesting and it's an important topic and i don't see anyone else covering that so there's opportunity to play around and i and even this episode right it's just a i mean what we're going to talk about is according to our show notes is you know how i edit the show and how we how we publish it i mean you know i i think that's what makes it interesting is that we're we're we're, and then, of course, and, and you know, this is a preview, right? But we're going to yeah. talk about the fact that, that I use one piece of proprietary software to edit this show. 
So that, and, you know, stay tuned for that. So I would say the, and the other important thing about this show for myself is that we try to release it as often as we can. So once a week and we've skipped a couple of weeks, but I really try hard to, to release the show on a schedule. And that's because a lot of these shows, the other shows would get lost over time. And that was, that's a natural consequence of not having a lot of people that are working on your show, but trying to release it on a schedule has really made us more lean and mean, right? We, we don't do a ton of editing. We don't do a ton of, of extras. We just get the episode out yeah. as much as we can. Well, and that, so release early, release often is something we basically agreed on at the beginning. And, and because of that, that's partly why I think those earlier episodes were just kind of um, less polished um, and we were willing to, you know, accept that is that we felt like if we tried really hard to get out a great first episode, then we might just never get out yeah. any first episode. Right. And so, like, evolving as the show goes um, is more than acceptable for us. Sure. So let's talk about let's talk about what our process looks like. Starting with, so we so we did we did the pre-show. Then how do we actually record yeah. the show? Well, that shifted right because initially you and I basically had the same headphone headset without realizing that we both got the same thing, but I had it on USB and you had it like with uh, Bluetooth, I think. Um, but, wireless, yeah. Yeah, wireless. But they, they're both basically the same thing, which is, you know, like this uh, gamer-branded uh, headset that was, you know, not really built at all for podcasts, but, you know, it was good enough to get something started with. Yeah, um, and then you and I both said, well, this isn't, the audio quality is less than ideal, so I had some existing equipment for um, for an idea that I had for a podcast in the in the past. So I kind of dug some of that up. I I don't actually remember the name of the mic. It's a it's a fairly good mic, but I have a mic. I have a Scarlet Two I Two, basically kind of like a. Oh, and I know that my audio recording friends do not like it, but I think of it like a mixer. Basically, it's an audio interface. It takes the XLR headphones and it puts it into USB. Um, and I use, uh, I've learned to use earbuds instead of earphones because there's too much noise leakage from earphones. Um, and I've got a, a mic uh, arm that I connect to my desk here in New York, and I'm not sure what I'm going to have to do because I don't have this kind of setup uh, my girlfriend doesn't have this kind of setup in Canada, so I'm not sure what we're going to do there. But um, basically, have a mic with a um, windscreen and a whole thing, and it's it's hanging from my desk here. I know you have a similar system in in where you where you are. Yeah, I have a very similar system. I've got this, you know, uh, my so and actually, it's my my brother John Weber. I should call out is the one who got me the better recording equipment. He's an audio engineer, and it's probably one of the few people that like when he was like three knew what he wanted to do in life. And that was to be an audio engineer and like started that out by like running like yarn around the basement as if it was like cords. Um, you know, maybe now I moved from praising my brother to embarrassing him, but you know, but he's responsible for getting me, you know, much better equipment. And I have a pretty nice mic now that, you know, connects via USB and I've got a very nice, uh, you know, uh, um, I've got a nice, uh, this nice arm, you know, similar to you that attaches to my desk and it's got a nice, you know, boom screen on it or whatever you call that pop filter. And I actually feel like the audio quality, like the audio equipment I have is pretty good now. Um, though 
you and I have talked quite a bit because uh, there there still are sound artifacts that I think is no longer from our recording equipment. Early on, we talked about how we were going to coordinate. So we don't live in the same city and we don't record in the same place. So we said, well, how are we going to do this? And I had suggested that we use GNU Ring, which has changed names since then. I don't remember the new name. Um, and you said, why don't we just use Mumble? I've already got a Mumble server up. So we use Mumble. Um and it does speaks compression, and I think that it is adding these um, occasional interference in the show. So that will come out as clicks or errors in the uh, wave, the sound waves, or it'll come out as these weird sounds that will be randomly in the episode that I end up having to remove, um, which I can usually remove from the the final result. But we're currently using Mumble. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not thrilled with it um it also it also has some timing issues where our audio gets out of sync but basically we both record locally and then i take when i'm doing the editing i take the editing and i try to do a time alignment between our two recordings and and keep them synchronized but of course by the end they're not synchronized and that's always a little bit of a struggle so it creates a lot more work for you than it does for me. Because I just show up, I'm like, oh, let me talk about some things. And then, you know, I'm like, okay, Sarah, you go edit the episode. But I mean, you know, from from my perspective, like I, so the, the clicks and pops things does bug me. Um, it, man, it doesn't seem to bug our listeners because not very many people have said that they've noticed it. Um, actually, I think only one person said that they noticed it. And it was when I asked them and other people were like, oh, I didn't notice. Let's, let's give Mumble at least the credit for what it, it has done well, right? It made it mumble did provide a solution so that in the whole release early release often way um it provided something that did things good enough for us to get this podcast started where where we might have not you know we might have spent a lot longer trying to figure out some sort of coordination mechanism as a coordination mechanism it's really good actually and then the other thing was it was really important to us that this part not be proprietary software. So we weren't going to use Skype or Google Hangouts. Right. And, and it, that was really important. And it does have um, a nice feature where you can, and, you know, again, we have, we're having, hitting problems with it, but it is nice that when, that it has a built-in recording feature. So we go into, in the GUI, there's this big red record button. We both press that and we can click multi-channel. And what's nice is, you know, it'll record the, the different streams separately. You know, Serge does a clap at the beginning of the episode, and um, it's easy until things drift, at least, to align it and to get those episodes, you know, recorded, even if there's some issues in them, right? Like, so that, that part, it actually does pretty well. And for the drift issue, so you and I were like, well, what? where's this drift coming from? And I forget who it was. It might have been you, it might have been me, who found a bug in the Mumble Tracker that's actually, uh, apparently other people are also using Mumble for podcasts for the very same reason that we are, which is that it's easy and they're hitting the same drift issues. And like, it sounded like in the bug, like they basically didn't know where it was coming from. So I think, you know, so it's been a good situation as in terms of like getting us bootstrapped and being able to do things. It hasn't been great as in terms of, you know, those audio quality issues but at least we have gotten the show out. Uh, and I think that Mumble has, you know, we should give credit for Mumble bootstrapping the show, even though I think maybe if we do another one of these meta episodes, you know, a year or two from now, maybe we'll be like, oh, yeah, we've got this much better setup. 
Yeah, I mean, the other thing we've, we tried to do was, and I've tried to use uh, a high-quality audio recorder in my setup, but um, we had issues getting the audio splitting working, and there were all these other problems. So right now, Mumbles are our solution to recording the episodes and also coordinating our audio between us while we're talking remotely. So, right. and also for guests. Uh, and and I, I, will, I will say the reason that I had a Mumble server up and running is because I'm co-chair of the W3C social web community group and we use that for our um our uh our actual our our monthly meetings and so it was already a thing that we had and we knew that people were able to connect to it with you know relative ease um there have been some issues with some people trying to connect sometimes but um in general like it's a good enough solution uh and so for a good enough start it's been good enough yeah so okay so then we we basically hit record and we basically record an episode all the way through. And then we both put the audio into a Git Annex repository. Um, and Git Annex is a tool that Chris introduced me to. And it's basically a tool that allows us to keep large files synchronized across multiple machines. Yeah. So, um, and actually, the author of Git Annex is a listener of the show. Uh, hello, Joey Hess. Uh, um so Git Annex, I actually really like it a lot. I've used it for a number of projects. Uh, um, what's cool about Git Annex is if you're using Git, um, and, uh, you may know that if you try to commit like large things like images or, you know, video or something like that to a Git repository, you know, it's not great because, um, Git's not really well designed for that sort of thing. And it's also, you know, if you wanted to pull down the archive, there's no way to kind of drop that large file from the archive when you don't really need it anymore. So what Git Annex does, and and I, I'm aware that I'm doing the thing that we talked about earlier in the episode where I bring things out there, and then Sarah just is going to pull me back in just a second. But what it does, I'm going to say it anyway, is that uh, it hashes the file and it's got this little store directory. So in a, um, the file is actually stored and symlinked to where it is in this, this, uh, what's referred to as a content address store. Now I realize I brought that way out there, but what's nice about actually storing the file separately in that little directory is that um, what you're actually checking into Git is the symlinks. And so if you, it turns out you don't actually want to keep the file around anymore. And there are some files that we decided from this repository, we don't want to keep around anymore. You can actually just drop them or you can only pull down the files that you actually want and all that the Git repository is really being used for is for the management of where those files are and et cetera. So I think it's really nice. Um, it is a little bit, um, you know, it is another thing to learn, though, um, though it has a GUI. And we should get Joey Hess on here at some point to talk about the more advanced features, though it has some features to make it easier to use. You and I are both using it in a very command line way at the moment. I love Git Annex. But I wouldn't recommend it to anyone who's not a technical user. And I've already run into several problems where I accidentally started using the files and not using, the, and then I had errors that came in from from editing and programs that wouldn't handle it properly. And um, you know, you had to bail me out of a, mis- a major mistake that I made where I deleted a bunch of data accidentally. And um, yeah, but let's give it credit that the nice thing about being able to bail it out is that I was able to bail it out with no problem. Right. And you were like, Oh no, like, you know, 
since I'm much more familiar with Git Annex than you are, you're like, I, I want to make sure that like this stuff won't get lost. And I'm like, don't worry, it won't get lost. And it was pretty easy for me to repair that as, as you said, a highly technical user, right? Um, so, so I understand why you're saying, you know, even though I think the Git Annex Assistant does make things much easier for non-technical users, it, they're, um, well, we should really get, you and I haven't even explored that web application side of Git Annex and stuff like that. That's the whole thing. So, so we use, so we use Git Annex to synchronize the files so that what happens is uh, I have a copy on my machine and actually I have multiple machines that I use, um, and you've got it on your machines and we've got it on a server somewhere. And this way, all the files are replicated. And when we say all the files, what we mean are all of the raw data. And then what I do is I take all of the different streams and I load them up into Audacity and I do a whole bunch of stuff. So we're going to talk about what, what that process looks like a little bit. Yeah, we should do that after a break. But before we do that, before we take a break, I want to say there is one thing that changed, which was at the very beginning, you would also check the Audacity files into Git Annex, and then you stopped doing that. Uh, and basically because uh, those we, we store the... Well, my understanding is, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's because the source files we save as FLAC files, but Audacity imports those itself and chops it up into bits and I think doesn't compress things very much. And it basically duplicates the stuff all over again, but actually even larger than the original source files were. So it was like way more space than we were needing when we when when you also checked in the Audacity files. Yeah, so what it does, and I don't really understand Audacity in, in this much technical depth, but what I understand it's doing is it's got some, um, it's almost like its own little file system. So it takes the raw data and then it chops them up into into little segments of AU AU files, which are just sound files. They're kind of like wave files, um, and then it just has a ton of them. And then it keeps an index of what AU file rep- is is representing on which stream and what time. And those files, even for a small one hour podcast, can be gigabytes. And they weren't, and they were like you know hundreds and thousands of files because you know if there's four streams and they're really tiny it was just it was a huge amount of data and then it was okay well now i've got four you know four six gig of data per episode and then i have to sync that to you and yeah it was just way too it was way too much (laughs) well i just wasn't pulling it down but uh uh, but but the server what like i wasn't pulling because you can choose which things you pull down but the server was getting filled up really fast just with all those files. So I think that the 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 direction you basically decided was, well, we'll keep all the source files around. I'll do the audio editing, but we don't need to keep those around. We can throw away the editing files. And if we need to really, for some reason, come back to things, we'll still have the source files, right? That's, that's basically been in it. Yeah. I mean, I would love, uh, what I would have loved, and we're still thinking about if this is possible, is some kind of mechanism by which we could we could take the source files and then like apply every change that I make to them programmatically and then come out with the final one. But I don't think that's really feasible. Yeah, that sounds like audio editing. And we're going to talk about that after a break. During these breaks, we like to give some recognition to projects that are important and often don't get the attention that they deserve. This time, I'd like to thank the Pulse Audio Project 
I remember the days before we had good user audio in Linux, and it was quite a mess. So thanks, Pulse Audio, for making things a lot easier. All right, we're back. So now it's time to talk about audio editing. Isn't this fun? Uh, well, okay, so I... You know, actually, I don't know about as much about this as you. I think early on, I was like, "Oh yeah, Audacity," and I, I did a little bit of things with it. And I'm like, "Good luck, Serge." And uh, <laughs> so, 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 why don't you tell me what you do with audio editing? We already mentioned that you clap and then then you align things. So why don't we start there? Yeah. So I I start at the beginning of the episode and I align our audio. Um, and the way, the way we do that is in Mumble. You're recording both yourself and me, and I'm recording myself and you. And if we have a guest, we record them and me, and we throw all of those streams uh, as individual channels into Audacity, and then I line them up. So first thing is to get everything aligned. Then I chop off the ends, so um, all the files are the same size, and then I throw out all the, the excesses. So I always use your local version of your audio, my local version of my audio, and then if we have a guest, their local version of their audio, if if that's possible, right? And that 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 prevents like the like network errors. Like my my copy of you might have some some delays or something like that that like actually glitches in the middle of the noise. And but since we both have our local versions of things, that won't appear, right? That's the idea. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure that's what happens, but that's the idea. <laughs> Uh, because well, because I've gotten weird timing issues where my version of your audio has has you before your version of your audio. Yeah, it's weird stuff. The, it, it makes no sense to me. Anyway, may, yeah, yeah, and maybe that bug uh, that we talked about earlier. But yeah. anyway, so so then I take that, um, and then the the next thing I do is I try to clean up some excess noise. So especially in our early on, before we had good audio setups. Uh, we had a lot of breathing and I would hear my own breathing. It was really loud. Um, I would hear your breathing. You had a lot of, you have a lot of back, you used to have a lot of background noise. Um, and I would too. And so I would clean all that up and I used a variety of different methods, but I used noise reduction and auto duck and noise gate. And I just, I clean up, um, audio and that, that is semi programmatic. Um, but it takes me about 10, 15 minutes to clean up the background noise of the, of, of our audio so that I'm not removing too much and, but it's nice and clean at least as much as I can. So the first thing I do is now I've gotten the background noise. So I don't have, you don't hear my breathing and you don't hear your breathing and, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, so then the next thing I do is now I've got all these, well, let's just, let's just take the simple example of two streams. So this is where I use my, this is where I use some proprietary software. And I'm even hesitant to mention the name of the service that I use. But what I do is I take each of our streams and I save it to um, a way, an MP3 file each. So I've got like Chris's MP3 file and then Serge's MP3 file. And then I send those to a proprietary service for transcription. And the transcription comes back in the SRT file format, which is uh, for captioning. And then I found a, a Python script that converts SRT to Audacity labels. And then I load those Audacity labels into Audacity. So what I have at the end is I actually have your audio 
and right underneath it is what you, is what it thinks you said, and it's usually you know eighty to ninety percent accurate. It doesn't have a lot of the project names et cetera, right? But it's good enough. And the same thing for myself. So what I'm looking at is our audio plus our transcription, and from there, that's when I start to clean up. And I've been doing this more lately. In the early episodes, I didn't do any of this, but what I've done lately is to is to is to do some content editing. So if we do stops and starts, which we do periodically, I'll remove those. Um, I've been removing some of our verbal tics. So in particular, yeah. I um and you. Well, uh, I um even more than you do. Uh, I mean, it for me, it's it's not just being on the show. It's like a verbal tic that I have in in normal yeah, everyday me too. speech. Me too. I um I almost always um, and you. We both we both write right. Uh, which I try to remove from the show. And there's just a number of verbal tics that we both have. And that's something that I've been working on, but still have a ton of. So I remove many, although not all of those verbal tics, um, just like I did there. Um, And then I go ahead and I also remove things like your rat or, or anything else that I can remove from the final version. So sometimes there'll be a conversation break or we'll have to stop for some reason and I'll remove all of that. And the way I actually do that is I don't clip out the audio, I actually silence it. So what I end up with is an episode on my computer that has what we're talking about with these really huge areas of silence in between. And that's what I, and then I start to piece that together and we'll inject things like the breaks into, um, let's see, actually we, we looking at our show notes here, right? So I remove, I do content repeat. Oh, right. And then there is occasional, uh, we mentioned earlier. So occasionally we have audio recording issues. So there'll be these clicks in the middle of the episode, or there'll be these areas of bizarre uh, overmodulation. So the clicks, I have to remove those manually. The Audacity click removal tool doesn't seem to detect them. So I go in there and I, and I visually inspect, and then I use the Audacity repair tool on each and every one of them, and that's a manual process, and I have not found a way to do that automatically. Um, if the audio is not totally normalized, I try to increase the volume and normalize. I'll use compression. Um, I'll use amplification. I'll try to get our audio levels approximately equal, but I don't consider that the most important thing. And in fact, in that long episode, that four-parter, I'm, I'm, I do not sound great, but it's more important that I had the episode up and going. So I didn't try too hard to, to modify that. The Audacity tools don't work wonderfully when you have long breaks in it. The normalization stuff doesn't work at all, and the compression doesn't work either very well when you have long pauses. So anyway, so I cut all those and I repair all these other these recording issues. Um, I inject the breaks. I then I take the whole thing and I trun- I use the Audacity's uh, truncate audio function, and that just takes out all those huge silences and leaves us with a nice tight show where you don't hear those long pauses. Sometimes that just between us. Sometimes. Uh, when I'm removing all of our verbal tics, they'll just be just be nothing in between. So it, it doesn't sound artificial, and I work really hard. And wherever it does sound artificial, I keep our verbal tics. Sometimes it's not possible to remove them, so I keep them for the sake of the of the sound. 
sounding good, if that makes any well, sense. It might also sound weird if you removed all of them, right? Because uh, I don't know. Would it sound weird if you removed all of them? If if I could, if I could, if I could remove all of them, it wouldn't sound weird. But it's not always possible because sometimes we'll we'll verbal tick right into a talk, like right into a word. Either both of us. Yeah. So that that doesn't work. <laughs> I tried. I really try hard um, to to do that, but it doesn't it doesn't work too great. Okay. Yeah, someday, so I, someday, someday. I guess you could release like the the floor clippings nightmare episode. That's just like all breathing and it's all breathing. And I don't know, right? You know, <laughs> Actually, you know, never you do know. that, please. Um, please yeah. never do that. Uh, uh, well, uh, I, I thought about that as like our April Fools' episode. Just like here, you guys all want all the you guys want all the stuff that we don't leave in the show. I don't know. Goodbye, listeners. <laughs> you know, never see you again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, that like all that stuff you said, like that sounds like a lot. Like and, yeah, it takes and me I, a long time to remove all that. And people said like, "Oh, we don't mind if there's all that," but um, people do notice. <laughs> they do really do notice when 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 they're there. So and and I when I'm editing it, I I it just took me more than a month to get used to hearing my own voice because I'm convinced, and this is all in my own head, but I'm like, I sound like a jock. Like I know I don't sound like a jock, but um, I'm far more. Um, nasal or something about my voice does not sound the same when I'm recorded. So I don't, I, I, I had to get over that, had to get over my verbal tics. And now I'm getting to the point where I can start to reduce them. So anyway, so I do all that. Then I stick on the beginning you recorded and I stick on the ending that also the original one that you recorded. And yeah, which were, which we might want to re-record at some point. Yeah. It's kind I of like testing testing versions and then like haven't gotten back to it. But. Yeah. Oh, I should mention that that proprietary software thing, that's not free. So uh, it costs me uh, sometimes like $20 to make an episode. It's not it's not that expensive. But if I with the, with the one that I did for, you know, the four break one, I did that a whole bunch of times. So I spent uh, a bit of money uh, getting getting enough versions of that so that it was good. Um so but, it's not a huge amount, but you know it does actually cost me money because of the proprietary part. So actually, we should we should think about this a little bit, which is, um, and actually, we'll, we'll maybe we'll do this at the end. I want to talk about alternatives that might exist um, in the free world because I would love if we could do that transcription part without free without uh, proprietary software. Well, I mean, we could just say it right here. Like, I mean, there we know of some other um free software like audio recognition tools right like like pocket sphinx and other things like that um up until recently there haven't been i think good corpuses of audio but mozilla just released that giant payload of uh like audio stuff but but regardless neither you nor i have experience in doing like audio like recognition stuff like audio transcription stuff so yeah so um, what, it, what it needs is i need both the the transcription I, I need three things so depending on the episode i need at least audio transcription now luckily because we're doing separate channels i don't need to know voice identification although the service will do that for me if i if i have a version of both of us but i definitely need um transcription and i need timing so I need to know when a word begins and ends. And that's really important for the editing process because I'll often use that as part of the label to clip out the ums and the ahs. That's that's actually very important. That's also missing from a lot of um, of a lot of tools. So 
So, so it, it, maybe this is actually a call, uh, a call to arms for our listeners. Maybe one of our listeners actually has experience with this stuff. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm just throwing this out here. Correct me if you, if you think I'm wrong about a possible process. Is it maybe if a listener thinks that they know how to do this type of thing, they could give us an example, like the exact an example commands, the example data set that they used and stuff like that. And then running against one of the episodes that we have so that you could see how it generates that audio against it. Like that would be helpful. I, I, I would be, I'd be, I would love that. If, if our listeners can solve this problem for us, that would, that would solve, that would solve a lot of um, personal angst about using proprietary software on, on these episodes. As, as I said, that sounds like a lot. And I think it is a lot. And as I said, you do a lot more work on this show than me, time-wise at least, because of it. Um, but yeah, but you do. So actually, we should talk about the fact that you that you. Well, maybe we'll talk about this when we talk about the website part. But you you've done a ton for this show, a ton. Yeah, I mean, I've done. Uh, yeah, and I, I have done things, and and there's there's other ways in which I contribute. I just wanted to say, like, I I really want to give you the credit where it's due. Where like this is the. You know, when we talked about this show, and I had actually been thinking about wanting to do a podcast for a while, this is one of those types of things where I'd be like, this type, doing a podcast like this would be cool. And then it's like, it would have probably remained in the, it would be cool thing if it weren't for the fact that you stepped up and are doing the work regularly. And that's, Thank that's you. really valuable. Um, but, and, and so, so, so I appreciate that. I also want to say that I think that the amount that you've been doing has grown over time, right? Because those first episodes, you didn't do as much editing as my impression. No, I did like, I, I kind of just ran through it, did some like audio cleanup, and then I just threw beginning and like beginning and an end in. And I could, I could get, it would basically be like a one to one, like uh, recording time to final version. Like I didn't do any content, anything, and I didn't clean up. There were clicks were there, and I was like, I don't care. I just want to get the episode out there. And now I'm now I'm very conscious of this and remove all the ums and clicks and that that part does take a long time. The clicks, by the way, are the other big thing. If we had a better solution that doesn't result in clicks, like like the clicks are the parts that make. Yeah, me I mean, either if somebody wants to fix mumble or give us a solution that uh, that doesn't involve this, you know, maybe that that could help. Or 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 we may discover it as we go. Right, we might experiment with things, but we we haven't yet. Oh, the other thing I remove um, is sometimes one of us will talk over the other, and the other will just just plow right through, which is great. <laughs> That's right. Um, so sometimes, so sometimes uh, uh, it's it's just me removing the person who's not supposed to be talking. So it sounds like all these. So like it sounds like we're we're much more organized right. than we actually are. Um, but, but the reality is sometimes we talk over each other. Sometimes we lose focus. Well, it's hard to not, um, but all, all of that. Gets well, and I just out. did it and you might've just removed it, but it's actually hard to, it's, it, it's hard to not talk over each other sometimes because there's a network leg, right? Like there's a little bit of a network leg. It's not a lot, but it's enough where you might not be sure. And since you can't see the, we don't do a video recording. We don't see the other person's face. So we miss the clue as in terms of when the other person might speak. And this is actually something that we found out when we did uh, started doing interviews that we needed to mark ahead of time who was going to do each question. Um, you know, even though we would we would shift 
like we would actually like more organically jump in after the person opens a question, but you and I weren't sure, okay, who is going to open up this next question to the the guest in a way that for whatever reason, isn't a problem when it's just you and I going back and forth. We don't bother to mark who's going to do what section, but when we do a guest, we do. Yeah. Well, Karen gave us the idea of just going flipping back and forth, but we found that it was actually better if we knew who was going to talk about what topic um, other shows that I've listened to will just kind of throw it. They'll be like, hey, do you have any ideas? No, do you have anything you want to talk about? But I think it sounds it sounds better if the person who knows more about a specific topic or cares more about a specific topic is the one to, is the one to bring it up. So that, that's another thing. The, the, the interviews, we try to make them sound somewhat spontaneous, but there's pre-interviews just like there are on um, most radio shows or – or late night shows, there's always a pre-interview, and that that pre-interview is actually really important uh, to know what's gonna go, what's gonna be discussed. Right. Yeah, it's good to have everybody on the same page. Uh, and so, speaking of paging, uh, uh, we should possibly uh, um, clear our buffer before we get on to the next topics, or clear the the buffer for our listeners. Um, do you want to take a little break? Sure. Now I got to think of something that I'm going to put into this break. Like, what what project am I going to think? Oh, but I'm, know, I'm I sure can, I'll think of. I, I can Maybe help with. Like, I can help with those breaks. We haven't done that yet. I'll, with... I'll think of. I'll do like Git Annex. I think. I think this one will be sponsored by Git Annex. Oh, okay. Um, well, right. we, we 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 have the our <laughs> everybody's get get ready for the Git Annex break. Here we go. There it is. During these breaks, we like to thank projects that are important. And just as promised, I'd like to thank Git Annex. Git Annex is what we use to synchronize our audio files between machines when creating this very podcast. So thanks, Git Annex. You really are a lifesaver. All right, we're back from the Git Annex break. Yeah. You just heard, so you, you heard us talking about what we're going to we're gonna break with. You heard me thanking Git Annex. And now you heard me talking about... I'm thanking Git Annex. <laughs> this is so, the equivalent of like a comedian like explaining their own joke on stage. Yeah, um, and it's it's just as unfunny. Professional um, show, professional show. Everybody, release early, release often. We're figuring it out. We'll get this eventually. <laughs> um, so okay, so now that now I end up, I add the, the beginning and end and the breaks, and then I uh, take the audio and I have to choose a title. And it's usually never as good as what you end up tweeting later, but I come up with a title and I tag the episode first in Audacity. Then I save uh, an MP3 version and an, and an Og Vorbis version. And we didn't used to do the Og Vorbis, but, our, but enough, com- enough of our listeners complained that I started making an Og Vorbis version. And then I use a tool called ID3, which is a Python tagging tool to add cover art to the MP3 version, and I have not yet figured out a nice, easy way to add it to the Flack um, or the Ogvorbis version of the same. Um, we do keep a Flack version, but we don't release it because, frankly, there's no reason to have this giant file. Um, the audio quality in both the MP3 and the Ogvorbis are good enough, and frankly, th- there's you know the audio quality of the show isn't high enough to justify. Uh, a, a giant file like that. So I tag the files and then I re-tag them or I re-tag the MP3 with the cover art. Cool. 
Um, <laughs> okay, I thought there, I thought you might have something more to say about. Well, that. I don't but know. Okay. I think that, I, well, I the the I mean, I guess one thing I'll say is that when we first talked about the og thing, I was like, oh, we should add an og thing, and you're like, ah, nobody's going to care about that, and you know, oh my prop, god, I was so wrong. <laughs> oh my to god, our, listeners, our listeners, people care. Our listeners were like, were like, you support it, you know, it's it's proprietary. I'm like, oh, it's not. Um, actually, the expired. MP3. Yeah, it's a patent's expired, and there's plenty of free software. They're like, it's not free, and I'm like, oh no, it it, it is. It's like there's total free software hey, to run. You know, the free software like, world not- fought hard for the to, for Ogvorbus and that codec and stuff like that. Like, you know, we, we, you know, it's it's good that people cared. Lots of effort has gone into that. Yeah, and then now that, and now people are like, well, there's you're not releasing an Opus version of the show, and I'm like, I am. I'm releasing a Vorbis version. And they're like, no, you need to release an Opus. It's like, you're, you will, if people really care about that, and I'm sure there are, then they can contact me and we can talk about what that would entail. Because the next thing I do is I take the episodes we've recorded, the final versions, and I upload them to archive.org. So, uh, and there is no specific area in archive.org for an Opus file, but there is for both an MP3 and a Vorbis. Yeah. So, and- and I think I think I was the original one who suggested, well, why don't we just put it up on archive.org because it'll like, you know, save time, even though, again, I'm not the one who did the work. You know, you're you've been the one who's been uploading it. Uh, and and uh, let's let's. So first of all, I want to say thank you to archive.org for hosting. Yeah, our huge files. thanks to archive.org. Archive.org is awesome. One of the most important projects uh, on the Internet. Uh, you know, with our giant mutable web, there's plenty of information that just wouldn't exist anymore if it wasn't for archive.org. So, um, but, uh, I, I know also you, you have gone back and forth about your feelings about whether or not we should be using archive.org. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a philosophical issue. It's that for the first like week or two, sometimes more of archive.org, it shows us as having zero downloads. And that is so disheartening because I'm like, all right, I put the show out. And then I go the next day, how many people have downloaded it? It's like zero. Like we have zero listeners. Zero. We know that that's and, not true. But I, and I, think... I know it's not true because people on the IRC and, and, and on the Fediverse are like, yeah, I listen to your episode. And then I go and look at our download number and it's like zero downloads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I mean, um, we. But let's let's wrap up the thing with archive.org by saying, even though we may end up switching at some point, they have been great, and also been awesome. They and, and also, it's a good organization to donate to if you're thinking about you where to throw, where I, to throw some to do, your donation money. Archive.org is a great yeah. place. So okay, so so then I upload it to archive.org. Then I take some of the, the the data that I've collected. So I need the URL from archive.org for both the MP3 and the Ogvorbus. I need the file sizes byte-wise and the duration for the files, and I stick that into a mark a markdown file, which then gets put into our static website generator that is Haunt, which is a um, it's a program written in GNU Guile, mm-hmm. and you've heavily modified it to support podcasting. Yes, I have pushed and- some of those changes upstream, not all of them yet. Um, and, and and in fact, mm-hmm. because I've it's some of them upstream and not all of them, we also use Geeks as the package manager to instantiate the Geeks environment, and that's nice because Geeks is able to very fairly easily actually instantiate uh, a development version of Haunt. 
So, so this is the part where I feel like you've done – so there's a bunch of places here where you did a ton of work in the beginning and you've still done a ton of work. And this is where I'm going to both praise and, and complain a little bit. So you did a ton of work where you really wanted – so first of all, the theme is all you. Yep. Emacs theme on the website is all you. I have no website uh, abilities whatsoever. And you did an amazing job of making this website look um, awesome, like just awesome. And you also made the theme. And then uh, about a, m- a month ago, you made a program that can generate the theme, and I totally haven't been using it. You added all the podcast stuff to Haunt. You added all of the the uh, oh to generate the logo you mean the the first of all yeah you generate the logo but you also generated the rss feed and the atom feed yeah with the podcasting so you did all of that you've you've um coordinated with david thompson the author of haunt to get those changes pushed upstream also a listener of the show also a listener and uh on yeah great guy um and i i made him i upset him at one point because i there are things about there are things about Haunt that I think are amazing. I think it's awesome. It's written in it's written in Guile. It's really cool. And there are some things about it that I find difficult and frustrating. Okay, let me if you don't mind, let me throw in a few words about this. Uh, okay, you're 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 right. So the the website um, is you know very me in a few ways. Uh, including the design being, I mean, mostly lifted from another project I worked on, 8Sync. And I'm just like, I'll repurpose this. And I repurposed it. And I got the website up fairly quickly. And I I think it looks fairly nice. You know, there's even a little bit too much of me jokes in there. Like the, I think the, I forget if I replaced it yet, but the logo image, like masked on there currently, since it's LibreLounge.org, there's a screenshot of Emacs with a LibreLounge org mode file. Uh, and like, like a little, maybe a little, like, so one of the things when I put together the website, I think you had a few reactions. Like, A, you were like, wow, this looks really cool. But also, why does it look like a BBS? Uh, like, why, like, I thought this was going to be a lounge thing. And now it looks very, like, it It looks, you know, thematically different than I expect. And, you know, in some ways, it is thematically appropriate in that it kind of captures the, when we do go off on the tech end of things, Right. Like it, it has a little bit of that kind of cyberpunky look yeah, to it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I had I had the same feeling, by the way, about the theme, which was like I had imagined us using like kind of jazzy, you know, cafe type lounge, right. and you were like, "Here's some eight bit music." Yeah, yeah, and I, I, and I uh, even uh, I even selected uh, um, the audio that we use here. Um, the bossa nova uh, intro and extra music uh, on the on the page that I got it from open game art and on that page it even says you know in case you have any elevator scenes in your game you know so I was like oh elevator musicy stuff like that's perfect for a podcast you know it doesn't grab too much attention but it's also got the techie type thing and I thought it felt really nice and relaxed and actually I also proposed a couple of other things and threw them to our audience with a few different intro test one of which was cyberpunk moonlight sonata but i think everybody agreed that that was well a lot of people some people liked it a lot of people felt that it was kind of too intense and we did want things to be relaxed but i will i will acknowledge that 
Um, in many ways, it was a, um, I think, kind of a thematic drift from the phrase uh, lounge. And it was also kind of me flavored in terms of the things that I like. Um, and the choice of haunt also kind of reflects that, right? Like, so haunt, what I really like about it is that, you know, it takes the perspective of like many static site generators, you know, um, it has the, the nicety of being a static site generator, but it also takes a perspective of, well, your website is basically a program and the thing that it spits out is program output. So why not go all out on that? And haunt does go all out on that. But, you know, the downside to that is I was able to put together this theme and, and, and that design and everything. And I, but I think the, the, the frustrating part for you was that, um, it, it, I was, well, and I, I did do things to be able to modify haunt to be able to handle podcasting. But I think then you've repeated, said to me repeatedly, like, I don't know how to change the website. There's a there's a couple of different issues with with Haunt, and so first of all, I, I want to say before before I go into complaining about it, I I want to say special thanks to David Thompson who created Haunt, is a listener and supports us and makes sure that when there are bugs that they on their side that they gets fixed. So thank you. And my and my issue is around the Haunt is mainly around my usage of Haunt, and so I have. Two technical issues and one, I want to say, slightly philosophical issues around with Haunt. So let's talk about the first one, which is that every so often I will go to build the website and it will fail and it will not build. And I have to do a whole bunch of stuff. And then sometimes I'll be on IRC and you'll go, oh, right, I I need to go do something because geeks will have broken. And you'll have to like upgrade a whole bunch of packages and then suddenly I can build the website again. And what, well, yeah, and and that's 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 that happens for one of two reasons: either that the packages and geeks have shifted where they are, maybe the developers actually moved them to different modules, or um, more often than not, since I actually changed, since I was modifying Haunt itself, um, there were some patches that I would forget to shift um, the Haunt repository to say, "Oh, point to this new development version of Haunt that I made." as opposed to the previous development version of Haunt. And then so you'd go to update the website and it would it would be using functions that didn't even exist in the Haunt version that it was pulling down. And so from my perspective, it's like, oh, the website broke and I don't know why <laughs> and I can't fix it and I can't release an episode. And then you go and scramble and it works and that's fine. Um, the... Um, and I would say that's that's issue number number one. The, no, the number two part is that it's not that hard to upgrade the or change the website contents, but I, f- I do find the use of S expressions instead of HTML to be a little complicated, and that gets into a philosophical issue, which is that most static site generators use a templating language. So the one that I'm yeah. most familiar with is Pelican, um, and that is that's basically very similar to Octopress for, from Ruby, and those website generators use a, use um, HTML and then some template tags and Haunt takes the approach of we'll just put this entire thing as Lisp S expressions and then output HTML and that's not hard but it, it's it's a very different approach. Yeah, there's a really beautiful reasons why that's done but I don't want to get into this uh, into that episode. I do agree that it is a di- 
it is a divergence from the norm which adds to um which does add some complexity for somebody who is not familiar with that getting it right um and i think that maybe that templating thing is actually interesting enough to con- cover at a future time but i think not interesting enough for this episode yeah. itself. so okay so then yeah so um uh, oh wait wait we didn't even mention that you do the show notes oh yeah so right so 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 I write the show and the show itself, and this is what's kind of interesting. So we just said that the whole thing about how well the the pages are in S expressions like Lisp, but the show is in, but the show notes are in uh, specialized markdown. So I go ahead and I put all this data and then I write the show notes and that includes all those links. Um, And I try to make sure that whenever there's a hyperlink somewhere, I'll put some kind of identifier. So it'll be like, Wikipedia or if, you know, so I'll just put in like Wikipedia, but sometimes I'll put in, you know, the whole your, um, the whole host name part or some kind of identifier to make sure that people aren't being linked to something that they're not expecting. Um, but I, I put up all the links. I make sure that those are all correct and I put a small description up and that gets uploaded to the website. I up, I update the website, the websites. Um, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty straightforward stuff. Yeah, the markdown stuff you haven't minded, right? That's no, pretty, because that's pretty very simple, similar pretty to normal. what I was doing with my web, with the websites that I use. It's, it's almost identical. Yeah. So, yeah, it's more it's more the kind of infrastructure, the rest of the infrastructure holding up the 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 website. Yeah, but yeah. So, um, yep. So so that you've you build it, you push it up, uh, and then what happens? So then uh, I go and I promote it. So somebody, and I, I'm just going to, I'm sorry I'm forgetting who did this, but somebody has an RSS bot running on our IRC channel. So I used to announce it on IRC, but now the RSS bot does it for me. And then that gets picked up uh, there. I do announce it on Mastodon. So I run the our Mastodon uh, Fediverse account that is uh, Libra Lounge at floss.social. And, yes, and thank you to Floss.Social yeah, for, for hosting for hosting, for hosting us there. Uh, I then I then posted on Twitter. I try to keep them roughly this, the same rough announcement on both. Um, I used to also announce it on Reddit. Um, we actually have an unused subreddit, but um, we haven't used it at all. And then, but I'm not even sure if we mentioned it. So um, so yeah, uh, we don't we don't really talk about it there. Um, and then, and I should be posting it more to my Patreon account. I always forget yeah. to I'll push this out. But but then but then later on in the day, you always restate the topic in a more interesting way, and then uh, post that to your followers uh, on the Fediverse and Twitter, and that always gets us a ton of listeners. Um, and then I've noticed that on Reddit, uh, it gets picked up um, on this subreddit called Linux Podcasts. Um, oh really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, it gets it, it gets a bunch of hits there, um, and the thing. Well, and it, well, it's nice also that we we have we do have some conversation that tends to come out of it. But I don't know if we've really had as much. We have some conversation on Twitter, but mostly it ends up happening on the Fediverse and in the IRC channel. Yeah, most of I would say most of our conversations on the IRC channel, and most of it's pretty casual on IRC. And then for for content about the show, it's mostly on the fediverse and then a little bit via email yeah the 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 irc channel is even more of a casual lounge than our our actual podcast yeah there's there's a (laughs) there's a lot of people who just seem to hang out there and um i mean it's great and sometimes i'll ask questions about 
hey, the people think that we should do X or Y, and um, you can, I don't, if <laughs> you can ask us questions and hang out with us. Uh, yeah. Pound Libre Lounge on irc.freenode.net. Yeah, thanks to Freenode yeah. for hosting our IRC channel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for making this possible. Um, and then, uh, but uh, there was one other, there was one other thing I was going to mention, which is that what we have not done a great job of. Um, so you've got this great logo. We've got Haunt. We have not done a great job of updating the feed so that it's available on other aggregators. So we're not on iTunes yet, and we're not on Spotify. I don't think. But I did. I did modify the feed so that it should be possible, but we haven't gotten them up there. Yeah, yet, we should right? really do that so that people can discover us and that they can recommend us to their friends. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that many podcast applications today make it not very easy to subscribe the old school way anymore um, and just kind of expect you're getting them from one of these uh, aggregator sites. Uh, and And I guess props to our community that we do have quite a few people who have subscribed the old school copy and paste in the, you know, feed URL way, or, you know, click the feed URL and maybe hopefully it'll open up the right application to subscribe. But, uh, um, but I mean, I guess, uh, I guess it's maybe we are possibly missing out on a audience of people who could be interested in these things, but haven't gotten involved yet by not getting on those aggregators. Yeah, yet. we should, we should really, we should really fix that. That's, I would, I would actually say that's on me to fix. So, so get on that, Serge. Um, yeah. So, so what's next? So, I mean, I think you just described the whole process, unless if you think you missed anything, right? That, I mean, that sounds like it's everything yeah, to me. Yeah, I mean, occasionally I'll do a little bit more editing stuff, and I could, I could get into the technical details of the editing, but I don't think that's that interesting. It's like here are the auto duck yeah. settings that I use, etc. That's not that. That's not yeah. that important. I don't think. Um, if somebody's interested, I'm sure they they could shoot an email to the podcast or uh, thing or something. Uh, I I also like I mean so we've talked a lot about the process here and that's great because I mean I think that you know people were really interested in the process. Uh, I mean uh, hopefully people are interested you know since you just heard a whole lot of it. Uh, the uh, I mean the I'm also reflective of like you know what's going to happen now right like I mean at, as we said this show has been kind of experimental and I feel like we've been We've been finding our footing. Uh, like, uh, I, I think we've got the people who, you know, found that they like this sort of thing, have found that this is the sort of thing that they like, uh, which is nice. Uh, but, you know, in some of the things that we've done, you know, we haven't really been sure whether they would hit the mark or not. And I think some of the things that people liked were ones that we weren't even sure anybody was going to like. Like that, that the free software and human rights episode you know, you and I had a conversation on IRC where we were like, should we, should we even release this? Like, is this too weird? And then people, a few people told us that was their favorite one. Uh, like, so I don't know. Is it, are we going to stay experimental? Uh, I think so. I mean, yeah. So I was, I was pretty down on that episode myself. Like I was like, this is, this is a little too, too strange. Um, but yeah, people liked it. There are a couple of episodes that we never did release because, Usually took from audio issues. So like the Karen Sandler one, we recorded that like three times um, before before we got one that was usable, where the audio was, was decent. Um, we had a really early version of the podcast, like a pre-podcast a episode, episode, basically. That it was a, t- it was a test. And I, 
um, we, we, we ended up never releasing that. Well, the audio that. was... The, um, so we actually, we, we said that we had this early audio setup, but we actually had a different early audio setup where I was just using a way crappier mic, and it was just unacceptable. Like you, you could barely hear me. Yeah, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't great. Um, and then the, we we had a, we had an early episode around Federation that we have taken and split up into multiple episodes. That some of which we haven't done yet because they got into some really yeah, it was deep too technical much. places. So I think. Yeah, it was it was just too much, and we've taken our we've taken feedback from the listeners about splitting the episodes up, sh- shortening the episodes down so they're not they're not super long. In fact, I don't know how long this one's going to be. Actually, I mean, I think this is going to be the longest one we've had in a few episodes. Actually, I mean, it'll probably be a little over an hour, and and I think that that's that's you know that's that's okay. Uh, like you know, and uh, um, so I don't know. I'm feeling pretty I'm feeling pretty optimistic about things. I think that like. We're in a good space of trying things out, but we've got some things that we do know works. I I like the fact that we're doing, I mean, I hope our audience likes it since, you know, we're about to do more of them. I like the fact that um, we're, you know, we've got the interview that with Kate that should have come out by now and the interview with Karen, I feel really proud yep. of the We've got um, some interviews the, in the hopper that we're not, we haven't yet recorded, but like we're coordinating with people. Trying, trying to get them on the episode, trying to get them on the show. We're going to go to Libra Planet soon, and we're going to hopefully, yeah. maybe bring do some interviews there, and maybe even be in the same room so that the editing's a little easier. Um, yeah, I mean, and we, we, you and I both have these things where we're going to be talking about the things we're actually building, and I don't really know many other epi- podcasts that are doing that kind of thing that are like talking about things as they build them. Like we, you've got, then I know we're going to do an episode about Sprightly Golem soon. Uh, where we talk about how that works. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about Golem because I'm really interested in in all the yeah. sprightly stuff. And I, so I feel like we've got a good thing going here. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm happy. Um, I think our listeners are resonating with it. And and look, the thing that I really would love is, um, and we've 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 received a little bit of feedback for what people would would like to to see and like to hear. If if people want to drop us a line, um, podcast at LibraLounge.org is our email address. Uh, they can also they can also reach us in the Fediverse at, at uh, LibraLounge at mass um, sorry at floss.social. Um, they can contact us individually, or they can hang out on IRC, and we're we welcome that too. It's um, hash LibraLounge on Freenode. So uh, oh, and of course yeah. LibraLounge on Twitter. And yeah, I think those are those are the places right now that we have you yeah. can communicate with us. But that's quite a lot for a two person. Yeah, you know what the people podcast. want though. They just want only game review episodes. From now on, game review episodes only. This is the Libre Lounge game review episode show. That's all that's coming up. We actually And I think those are good too. Like I I mean, we got some really good feedback on some of the games that we chose. You know, part of I think so I want to say one more philosophy and then we should wrap up. Part of part of what we do that's I think different from some of the other podcasts in the free and open source software space is that we're we're both talking about living the life, right? So it's like what is it what is it really like, you know, when you're a free software advocate? And um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that might be embarrassing and we can cut it out if we need to, but like we both, for example, own proprietary game consoles. I own a I own, I'm going to start, right? So I own a Switch. And I have other pieces of proprietary hardware in my in my uh, my home. I have a Roku 
Um, and I have a I have a Windows PC to run certain games with because I have a, certain games just don't run on on free software, and most games are not written in free software. So you know, these are these are open questions that come up about how much you know about well I should just say about having living living the life of a free software person and where where do we draw those lines? Where do we want to fight? You know where do we want to just quote unquote be like regular people? Um, I think those kind of questions are also going to keep coming up on the show, and we'll discuss that where and and how we make those decisions and how we live yeah, our lives. I think there's plenty to discuss about that, and we'll get there. There's plenty more to discuss. There's plenty more to do, okay. and uh, but I think we've talked. Yeah, keep, keep listening. listening. We talked long enough. Enjoy the rest of your whatever right. time of the day it is. Bye. <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to Libre Lounge. You can find and subscribe to us at LibreLounge.org. This podcast is released under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International License. Our theme music is Bossa Nova by Joff, which is waved into the public domain under CC0 and which you can find on OpenGameArt.org. If you'd like to support Chris Weber's work on this and other user freedom projects, you can donate at patreon.com forward slash c-w-e-b-b-e-r thanks for listening see you next time